You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 815 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Wednesday evening into Thursday morning, and today's episode is brought to you by the good folks at rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliable prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Today's show will mostly be part three of our uh, NBA Draft Point Guard Primer series with Zach Hood. This is the final installment of a very extensive breakdown that Zach and I have been doing on the position groups in the NBA Draft. First, um, with uh, I guess previously with breakdowns of the bigs and the combo forwards, the combo guards and the wings on the point guards. And uh, this episode will feature the top, top guys at the point guard position available. If you missed any of these, please go back and listen to those. And they are definitely available for your listening now. Um, Certainly deep dives in all of them. If you are really interested in the NBA draft, it's a good place to start to break down all the positions as we look ahead to when the draft actually arrives. Also, I want to go ahead and plug what's been going on the last few weeks on the show. We've had visits from Tyler Jones and Jackson Frank and Zach. Uh, ben Ladner was here to talk about the Game 7s earlier this week. Um, all kinds of guests have been coming throughout the process, of, especially with the NBA Draft. In fact, most of those NBA Draft shows um, featuring P.D. Webb and Ben Pfeiffer and Max Carlin, um, Brian Schroeder, Tyler Jones, all kinds of people that I've talked about the NBA Draft with, all those are still pretty much evergreen at this point in time. Not a whole lot has changed. Those are, it's, If you want to go back and listen to more on the NBA Draft, there's also more coming, but please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell a friend about the show as well. Um, as a reminder, or I guess as an announcement, um, probably not going to have another podcast until the start of next week with Labor Day weekend. I want to give you this episode to uh, sort of plan your weekend around if you want to listen to something. Uh, there is news. I will certainly try to jump back in, but for the most part, I'm trying to take a couple days to not, not post any new content. I've tried to do my best to give you guys four or five shows a week. That's a lot of content for a team that's not really playing right now. Alas, hopefully you understand that. And I was trying to get this up for Thursday because I know people will probably be traveling over the long holiday weekend. So there you go on that. Also, a couple thoughts from the Game 7 on Tuesday, as well as some playoff action from, from Wednesday. I am recording actually right now during the Rockets Thunder game. So I don't know what happened in that one. Hopefully, that uh, when you're listening to this, you will know. But alas, uh, Tuesday evening, though, the Game 7 rock fight between the Nuggets and Jazz that I previewed with Ben Ladner on the show. That was a fun one for me. It was kind of like an NCAA tournament game. Not a whole lot of great shot making. It was basically the exact inverse of the rest of that series where there was crazy offense the entire time. And then in Game 7, it all came to a crashing halt. But a, a fun comeback from Utah. Um, Rudy, Rudy Gobert kind of playing his best basketball in the second half of that game. Don Mitchell flying around. Um, Mitchell and Murray finally cooling off in that game. Um, Michael Porter Jr. sort of hanging around and actually playing pretty well. Um, all kinds of different things to get into, including the crazy last sequence with... Uh, the Nuggets taking a bad layup. I will say this, if they made the layup, no one would care, but he missed it. Toyo Craig missed it and ended up with uh, Mike Conley getting a uh, pretty pretty decent look at a walk-off three that would have been a crazy ending. Regardless, though, that happened. And then earlier tonight on Wednesday, uh, the Bucks heat game was not exactly a masterclass at the end of it. In fact, it's sort of a terrible endorsement for the league if you're watching that for the first time or something like that with the back-to-back controversial foul calls. The Heat certainly should have won, and they were the better team. So that was the right result if you want to get out, if you want to get deeper into it. But uh, the way that ended was not great for for anyone involved, Miami gets the win, and they're not in a commanding position. I'm, I'm kind of surprised by that. Obviously, I picked the Bucks to win the East. Um, I still think the Bucks can win the series, but a pretty uh, impressive performance.
conference so far from Miami and a pretty bad one from Milwaukee. And old friend Mike Budenholzer has, has a lot of questions to answer by the way that he is approaching that series. Shades of his Hawks tenure, actually, in the playoffs with the way that Bud has been uh, sort of melting down and not adjusting to the, to playoff life. But there you go. On all of that, we'll touch on that in the future, I'm sure. But uh, hopefully, you will sort of indulge me with some playoff talk. I'm trying not to do too much of that on the podcast because it is a Hawks show, but there is a lot of fun going on in the NBA. And without the Hawks playing, I feel like it's fun to go back and forth, talk about some playoff stuff. So that'll be coming more in the future, I am sure. Okay, before we get to Zach and a fun conversation about Lamelo Ball and Killian Hayes and Cole Anthony and uh, even Kyra Lewis, a word from the sponsor on today's podcast, and that is RockAuto.com. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money so you can use it to do other important things like pay the mortgage or even putting food on the table. With that said, why choose up to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same exact auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? Instead, you have access to rockauto.com in your home or in your pocket, and it's just a much better option, whether it's for your daily commuting car or joyriding on the weekends. Rockauto.com has everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Chain stores have different price tiers for pro mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com prices are always the same for everybody, and they are always the lowest prices possible. From there, the catalog at rockauto.com is very, very easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, the specs, and the prices that you prefer. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or an account login of any kind. And best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always low and always the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers. Go to RockAuto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or your truck. And from there, you want to write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Zach, welcome back. It's part three of the Point Guards. It's our final position primer and uh, it's been a long time in the making, but uh, here we are, the lottery guys, and thank you for joining me as always. Appreciate you having me on again. Uh, yeah, we're finally getting into the uh, last few prospects we're going to talk about on this big uh, series that you've uh, let me be a part of. So looking forward to talking some LaMelo, some Killian, and some Cole Anthony. Yeah, we're, some we're, Kyra Lewis. I was going to say, we're getting there. I, I teased this last time on the pod on, on part two of Point Guards, which if, if anybody missed that, check it out. But uh, Kyra is this guy who's in the middle for me, uh, Kyra Lewis out of Alabama. Um, it's interesting because he has long been, for me anyway, the top-rated guy that I think the Hawks just absolutely can't, dra- can't draft, which is interesting. Like last, last year, it was similar with like Darius Garland. Uh, the Hawks just could not take Darius Garland, in my opinion, and they just they didn't do it. And it wasn't and it wasn't because I didn't like Darius Garland; it's because of the position and the way that things broke down. This year, it's even more clear. The Hawks have had their point guard of the future. It's Trey Young, obviously, and Kyra um, is a point guard, and not a point guard in the way that like you know Killian Hayes or Lamelo Ball, where you have great size and play the next to Trey. Kyra is a point guard sized player. Um, He's just a point guard, and it's fine. It's not a shot at him. I think he's a good player. He's a top 15-ish guy for me. Um, let's just knock him out real quickly here because I feel bad. I, I just can't see a scenario where the Hawks take him, but that's not because he's not a good player. Yeah, no, Kyra's just not a good fit. I think you know he's someone that if you drafted him, you wouldn't want to have someone directly in his path who he has no chance of overcoming as the starter. I think ideally you would have him somewhere like Orlando or – you know, Charlotte, even because Devontae Graham, you know, doesn't have to be a point guard. Um, obviously, Charlotte wouldn't get him at three. I'm just saying he needs to go to a spot where he has a chance to win the job. But there's also someone, you know, that could push him and that could run your team in case he's not ready. Because I think, you know, with his 
size, particularly his weight and strength, I'm not sure he'll be ready right away. Yeah, I mean, he's so skinny, but I think he's in a breeze pass defenders. He's so quick. His passing's all right. Um, in a pure point guard context, it's more than okay. Um, he's also really young. I mean, I don't know. Kyra Lewis is really good. I, I think a team like Orlando, if he's available, just take him. Like, there are a couple teams that are in the mid-first round that don't have their point guard of the future. Uh, he should be in the mix there. Honestly, and I, I'm not just saying this for shock effect, I think of the Nick, I think the Knicks should consider him an eight. If, if Killian Hayes is gone, I would consider him an eight if I was the Knicks. A team that does not have a creator in any way. Um, that's a little bit high for him, in my opinion, but he is the kind of guy that they just they just need, and he is a guy with upside that could actually be like an above-average starting point guard, and that's a player the Knicks just don't have on their team. So that's the absolute uh, ceiling for him in the draft, in my opinion. But honestly, if, if you woke up the day after the draft and the Knicks, as long as Killian wasn't on the board, if they took Kyra, I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's fine with me. I have Kyra ahead of Halliburton, and that you see that a lot. Um, oh, espe- especially I, I, for a team that needs the that needs a point guard. Like, Kyra is so much better to be the number one option on a team than Tyrese Halliburton. I actually like Halliburton more in a vacuum, but if it's, it's, if it's th- that comparison is so team dependent, it's not even funny because Kyra actually is an on ball player and Halliburton is just not. So if it was like the Hawks, I'd rather have Halliburton. If it was the Warriors, I'd rather have Halliburton. But if you needed a point guard, like an actual like ball handling, creating point guard, it would be Kyra. Yeah, I think there's a couple more interesting fits in the middle of the first round. Like Dallas would be pretty interesting for Kyra or, yep. you know, Cole Anthony if we get into talk about Cole Anthony. But uh, yeah. Not really a Hawks target, but at the same time, you know, it's not because he's not good. Like you said, it's just with the size and uh, the weight, um, just how thin he is. And, you know, he'll likely stay that way just to keep his quickness. So uh, I don't really see him being the type of guy you uh, spend first round draft capital on when you have Trey Young. Yeah, especially because of where I think he's likely to go. I mean, even if he falls a little bit further than we would let him fall, He's going to go in the top 20, I'd imagine, and that's just not a good use of asset resources for the Hawks. There, there are plenty of teams that should draft Kyra Lewis. The Hawks are um, among the worst fits in the entire league, I would say, for, for Kyra Lewis, given uh, what what they already have in Trey Young. So uh, that's probably enough on Kyra, but he was uh, just to let everybody behind the curtain. He was in the middle. Like, I almost put him in the last podcast. We talked about it. He's not really in the mix for the Hawks in the lottery, but uh, he's, he's a lottery-caliber prospect, so I wanted to make sure we referenced him at the top. Um, this next guy, Cole Anthony, is kind of similar in the fact that uh, I don't think anybody has been focusing on Cole Anthony for the Hawks for a long time, and with good reason. Cole is a point guard-sized player. He's 6'2", with 6'5", wingspan, reportedly. Um, but if you had to ch- if I had to choose a b- between him and Kyra to play with Trey Young, it would definitely be Cole. Uh, he's much stronger. Uh, I, I like his shooting a little bit more, um, even with some shaking numbers at UNC. And then defensively, I kind of buy Cole. Um, but that's sort of just a primer to say that uh, Anthony was once seen as like a top three guy in his class, and that uh, did not materialize this year at UNC. But I think he's another guy where the pessimism has gone a, a bit over the edge. Like I've seen him in some mocks like going in the late teens. And that, that seems a little bit reactionary to me. He's, this is still a very, very talented player. I've never been the biggest fan, but it feels like I'm actually higher on him than the mainstream now, which is kind of crazy because I was I was always a little bit lower. Yeah, no, I'm, 
you see Clemson going like 15 and stuff, and it does feel a little low. I mean, I still have him ahead of someone like Halliburton, or which obviously you know that could be, as you said, Kyra Lewis. That's also team dependent. Um, I still like Cole around that 10 range. I think Phoenix. Well, I, if I were Phoenix, I would take Kyra over Cole, but either one of those guys I think would be a decent target at 10 for Phoenix. Um, but yeah, I still have Cole. You know, French top 10 prospect. Uh, like you said, the size and the wingspan and just just strength overall, he's just more of a physical player. And uh, if you had to pick between Cole or Kyra Lewis to play with Trey Young, I mean, it would obviously be Cole Anthony. Yeah, um, that's a good point. I, it's just interesting. Cole is not a guy that I would personally consider at six, um, but he shouldn't be a full blown cross off. Like the comparison would be if I'm tell people that the Hawks should consider Killian Hayes and I, and I do I do feel that way then why wouldn't they consider Cole Anthony I've actually had people ask me that question and I totally understand where it comes from because both guys are probably lead guards but I think especially Cole might be better suited next to a number one guy that's not him um Killian I think has a little bit higher uh I don't know higher projection to be just the actual guy on a team but Cole's a little bit smaller I don't know he's an interesting player I it's he went from like this prototypical number one potentially number number one overall pick guy who would be like the savior of the franchise to now you're in a range where he's a secondary creator maybe or I guess if he goes to like Orlando he might not be but uh, if the Hawks traded down to like ten like you said Cole would be someone I would consider it's not a great fit with Trey but I do think Cole can defend a little bit. And he is strong, and I do think he can shoot it, and he would give you that secondary creator option. Um, like I would, com- they're not they're not the same player, but it's kind of the same argument that you would make about someone like Tyrese Maxey as the Hawks. Like Jackson Frank came on the, came on the pod last week and talked about Jack, uh, t- talked about Maxey and the fact that he might take Maxey at six um, for Atlanta. I think they're different players, but that's the same kind of argument you would make for Cole to fill a similar role. Where yes, he also functions as like maybe your third guard overall but a third guard on steroids, like a third guard that's like really, really talented, has starter equity, but just isn't the greatest fit with Trey. Yeah, no, I mean, someone like Maxi or Cole is reasonable with Trey as to where like Kyra, you know, you just can't really get there. And as far as Killian versus Cole, um, yeah, the size with Killian and I think just, I think he has more comfortability in that kind of maybe not the main guy role. I just feel like Cole Anthony, I've never seen him play off the ball extensively. You know, like he's always been, you know, he was an older prospect anyway. So I think, you know, he was like a 19-year-old, 20-year-old. Isn't he already 20 right now? Yeah, Cole is uh, more, I think, a full year older than Killian Hayes. Like Cole already turned 20, whereas Hayes just turned 19. So 20 is an ancient like he's still younger than Precious Achua, for instance, but as a one and done, Cole is uh, pre old. Yeah, but just as all I was saying by that is, um, he's he's mainly been on the ball. He's a five star, you know, typical like you said, you know, number number one, top five uh, prospect. So I don't know how comfortable he would be as um, kind of you know the third or fourth option on a team coming into the league. So. To me, I would much prefer uh, Killian Hayes, even more than just um, the fact that I have Hayes higher on my board. 
I do think the fit is also better. I think Killian, maybe he has a ceiling to be a number one somewhere, but if I'm the Hawks, that's not my problem. I don't really, you know, I think he would be perfectly fine next to Trey, and I think, you know, it could be really good for the team to have that high level of a, you know, secondary decision maker. So, but um, Cole, I mean, if they did end up trading back to 10 or something, I would consider him, but, you know, you get into the other position groups, like, and who else is there? I mean, if someone like Vassell is there, I would take him over Cole Anthony. If someone like Okoro slipped to 9 or 10, I would take that over Cole Anthony. Um, Patrick Williams versus Cole Anthony, that's interesting. You know, that's a decision, but, you know, we'll see if they get there. But it's, um, you know, we're in that range where, you know, you kind of have to tiptoe around any of these guys and kind of talk yourself into how they fit with the Hawks, so... Yeah, I, I, Cole is a guy where if the Hawks took him at six, let's just say that right now, if the Hawks took him at six, I would not be in favor of it. But I, if they came out and explained the fit the way they the way they see it and the way that I would see it, it would be defensible. It would be it would definitely be a best player available choice. They'd have to think that he was the best player available to do it. Um, I would not do that. To your point, if they were to trade back, there are guys that I would prefer to him for sure. Um, Vassell certainly among them, probably leading the pack. But if someone told me told me that they have Cole as a better as a better player than Halliburton, okay, like that's not. I mean, that's like t- perfectly fine. Like I, I think that I would much rather have Vassell. But if it came down to other guys, not Vassell, not Okoro, uh, you know, Cole would be interesting in that vein. But Obviously not a ideal Hawks target and not someone that we talked about a lot, so I want to make sure we spent some time on him right now. But he'll be I think he's gonna be a lottery pick still. I know the mocks have him a little bit lower now, but I think someone will fall in love with him and fall in love with with his talent and what it could be and his pedigree as well, and realize that his situation at UNC was really brutal. Like he was flat out not great, but you could see why. Like he played in a really bad situation for his talent. There was no shooting around him, no talent really around him at all. And defenses played him like that. And uh, he fed into it, to be sure. But I would have loved to have seen him in a better situation, just to see how, how it would have looked. Unfortunately, we just don't have that information right now. So, Cole Anthony, pretty interesting prospect. Not an ideal Hawks guy, so uh, we can leave it there for now. Uh, quickly, though, before we get to the other two guys, sort of the big two on this podcast, a word from our sponsor on today's show. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious than before. I've told you in the past how much I really love the original Built Bar flavors, but now there are 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including six new selections like caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, a personal favorite of mine with the cookies and cream flavor. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and importantly, they're all soft and easy to chew, and from there, it is absolutely perfect and crucial to note that Built Bars are fantastic for those of us trying to be health conscious. You can even maintain or lose weight while still indulging a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, and Built Bar is even great for those of us on the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. When you do that, you'll get $10 off on your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that is BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your next order. Check it out at BuiltBar.com. 
Today's podcast is also sponsored by the good folks at Roman. And talking about erectile dysfunction is not easy. Usually it's just men brushing it off, blaming themselves or saying things like, I lost my mojo or avoiding it altogether by blaming work or just simply having a long day. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, it's safe, and it's totally discreet. With Roman, you can quickly get an online evaluation for free and you can also have ongoing care all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. If medication ends up being appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping and the whole process is straightforward and simple. Getting started is also very simple. Go, just go to getroman.com slash LockedOnNBA and complete an online visit with Roman. Go to getroman.com slash LockedOnNBA today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of treatment. That's getroman.com slash LockedOnNBA. One more time, getroman.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, Zach, let's go to Killian Hayes. Uh, Killian Hayes is, I think, by far the most likely guy on this on any of these podcasts to be a hawk and that's not that's not saying a lot because uh it's just a combination of where the hawks actually landed in the draft and uh, his talent even then i started to make sure that i'm pointing out hayes as an option but a lot of people would just tell you that they that they can't draft hayes because hayes is a point guard etc i don't feel that way i like killing hayes a lot but uh, i talked about him quite a bit recently so i will defer to you what are your thoughts on killing hayes yeah i like him i buy um every part of his game i guess in some sense i mean maybe not you know the full 100 percent outcome of every part of his game but i think he's going to be a capable defender a capable shot maker obviously you know he's a great ball handler um he's, he's kind of got to get better i think at finishing and when he goes inside and stuff like that but he's so young that i think that will come and the physicality will come obviously you know he's got good size six five believe he has a, a plus wingspan. I haven't seen it, but I, I feel like I heard that it's like 6'8 or 6'9, but I mean, that, that might not be uh, right. Don't quote me. We're, but, um, we're, all, we're all guessing on wingspans right now. I'll tell you that right now. I'll tell you that. Yeah. We're all guessing. Um, But yeah, I mean, he's quick. He has the length. You know, I, I really just like him. He's like a fluid, you know, athlete to me. I just, I don't know. I don't really, there's not really one thing about his game that I could tell you that I'm in love with, but I just... He's just a basketball player. Like I would, I would take him at six. I think, um, maybe not over a Coro. I mean, a Coro versus Hayes, that would be a tough decision. But um, if you want to just go safer, and you know, you want to get the guy who is more of a lock to fit in with your offense, I actually do think Hayes is, you know, one of the safer guys to fit with any team. Yeah, I've, I said this before, but if it's if the only, and this is not the case, but if the only criteria was highest rated player on my personal board when the Hawks pick, it's going to be Hayes if he's available. I have Hayes number three on my board, and I don't think that either Ball or Edwards is going to fall that far. So if it's just that, then you take Hayes. Obviously, it isn't just that because you're in a situation where you're playing him a tray. Um, for some strengths, obviously, Hayes is a really good ball handler, a great creator, one of the better passers in the class, other than Melo, who's the best passer. He might be number two, um, at least in, on the very short list. The shooting is like one of the pivot skills for Hayes. Like, I buy it. The numbers are not really there right now. The stroke looks better than it used to. His free throw shooting is really good. Um, but if you're playing him, especially in Atlanta, you need him to be able to shoot better than he's ever shot to this point. And that is a certainly a question mark because. It doesn't matter as much if he's your primary creator, because in, but Atlanta, he's not your primary creator. So you need to have him have some gravity off the ball. That's a big thing. Um, he's gotten a lot better in a short period of time. 
Um, I know he's not, this, like, he's not this like super explosive athlete, but defensively, I really like him. He uh, knows where to be. He's strong. He's a good off-ball guy already. He's already getting better on the ball. Like He just likes, he just does a lot of things that I like, period. And honestly, he'd also be, we've, we sort of discussed guys like Halliburton or Maxey um, in this kind of vein, but he would actually be able to be the Hawks' backup point guard in a way that the other guys can't, in my opinion. Hayes could legitimately run the offense like in a pretty similar fashion. Obviously not as good as Trey Young, but he could be your number one creator when Trey leaves the court in a way that Halliburton can't or Maxie probably can't. Like Hayes actually could be the guy who makes it to where you don't need to invest in a backup point guard. That's the kind of guy that Hayes could be. Plus, he has the size and the acumen defensively to play next to Trey. So that's the, that's the kind of archetype you're looking for. I don't know. I mean, I've been vocal the entire time. I think he is someone you have to consider at six if he is available. You don't have to take him. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he's the only guy you can take at six if he's available. But the notion that he's like a cross-off is, is really silly to me. I know he's a better fit in like New York or Detroit, teams that don't have primary creators. But Atlanta doesn't have another guy who we know, listen to what I'm saying, Hawks fans, who we know is a creator on the roster. I, I, I know Cam has some of that potential. I know Herder's flashed a little bit of it as well, but right now the Hawks are still in the market for a number for like a legitimate, you know, guy who can run the offense when Trey leaves the court. And they don't have that guy right now. So again, you don't have to take him, but I have him number three on my board for a reason. I have just said and again, the fit is not perfect. It's not perfect. I definitely acknowledge that, but Hayes is someone who you gotta consider in my opinion. You just have to and if someone wants to overpay you, like the Knicks want to overpay you to come get him or, or the Pistons, that's fine too. Maybe you can extract some assets by saying you like him and move down. But uh end of the day, if you're making the pick at six, he's got to be on your list, if nothing else. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. I think seeing him at 14 in the ESPN mock after the lottery was surprising <laughs> to me. And I said that, that kind too of, as well. Kind of makes me think that, you know – if that is kind of the intel on Hayes around the league, then it makes me think even if the Hawks like him, that they probably wouldn't try to do that. Like they wouldn't try to be like, oh, we're taking Killian Hayes at six and taking offers if you know if you want him. If if the league is that low on him, then I don't know if anyone is going to be coming up <laughs> to six to get him. Um, but. It only takes one team. So if the Knicks or the Pistons are uh, really high on Killian, then, you know, I think the Hawks are in a position where they could draft him and, you know, feel great about bringing him in. Um, Maybe he doesn't have the perfect fit, um, as perfect of a fit as Vassell would be right away. But I think just the ceiling is higher than Vassell while the floor is also pretty similar I think you know in terms of I think they will both end up being rotation players I don't know if either one will necessarily end up being good starters well that's obviously what you hope for if you're drafting them um Hayes is kind of like a Coro to me when I compare to Vassell I think they're both so much different than Vassell but you know they're also have a little more upside so Hayes to me is the best case scenario I think um I've been really high on a Coro but um you know this is the first time we've really talked about Hayes extensively I, I would probably have Hayes ahead of a Coro on a Hawks board yeah I mean I 
honestly, I'm not quite settled yet, and I'm I'm, pur- I'm purposely not settling on an order right now. But you know, I do think that when the draft arrives at number six, uh, he will be on the short list of players that I'm evaluating. Uh, but with Okoro and probably Vassell, um, you know, I took on Friday. I took Vassell. If anybody on the last podcast, I should say. Um, in the crossover mock draft, I, I took I took Vassell at six. Um, in that scenario, Hayes, Avdia, and Okoro were all gone, which made my decision pretty easy in taking Vassell. I think he is the guy that I would take there. Um, the other the other guys in, in consideration w- were basically a Kongwu um, and a Kongwu, uh, maybe maybe Halliburton, but I would go Vassell over Halliburton every time. So, but more realistically, I think one of those one of the Hayes, Avdia, Okoro trio is likely to be there if not two and then you have to decide what you want to do there so yeah long story short killian hayes is a guy I like quite a bit um i would like him i like him even more for other teams not him the hawks like if i was charlotte at three and lamello and were gone i would take killian hayes at three even with Devonte graham and terry rogier i would take killian hayes number three um obviously that may not happen same thing with uh you know the bulls i would get it if they don't do it because they just they just invested in kobe white um and they have Zach Levine. I get all that. And the and the and the Cavs have so many point guards that I also get that. But even then, I think I'd still take Hayes for the Cavs and then just try to trade one of the other guys. Regardless, though, I like him. Uh, it's just the fact that you have Trey Young. If if the Hawks didn't have Trey Young on their roster, it would be uh, I would be pounding on the table that Killian Hayes is the pick at six. But uh, anyway, yeah, I think with Trey, you know, you could go so many different ways and kind of talk yourself into it however you know whatever they do so unless they just take Obi Toppin or something like that then I think it's kind of wide open I think it's kind of different than you know the last couple drafts where the team and even the fans you know seemed like locked in on like everyone wanted Cam Reddish and then it happened so I don't think you're going to get that kind of uh, hype necessarily going into this pick, even though it is higher than, you know, where Cam went at the 10th pick. Um, I don't know. I just, I feel like no one really has a great feel and no one, everyone was like all of a sudden like ecstatic for the Hawks to get Anthony Edwards when they still had, you know, a 12 and a half percent chance or whatever of picking first for like two days. And then when that didn't happen, it's like, I don't know. People are all over the place from what I've seen. Like some people want Halliburton. Some people, you know, might like Cole Anthony. Some people want Hayes. Some people want a big guy. You know, I don't know. It's it's definitely going to be one of the weirder um, reactions, I feel like, no matter what they do. I think it's just going to be like some people love it. Some people hate it. You know. Yeah. No, it's going to be very split, regardless of what the, whatever the Hawks do. Uh, I can tell you with a certainty that it's going to not be a hundred percent approval rating, uh, nor a hundred percent disapproval rating. So that makes it fun. It also makes it uh, a bit treacherous in a lot of ways. Uh, okay, let's get to the last guy. It's Lamelo Ball. We know at this point the Hawks are not likely to get Lamelo Ball. Um, we knew that uh, coming into the lottery that maybe he wasn't the perfect fit. And uh, so let's just talk about Lamelo real quickly here, uh, broadly speaking, and in a scenario where somehow he falls. You know, I did have somebody in the league tell me that they wouldn't be stunned, like they wouldn't fall over and die if Melo fell to six, uh, with the way that the board breaks down. With that said, even that person and I said the same thing. If he starts to fall, I think a team like Detroit or New York is going to trade up for him. I don't think that 
if trades didn't exist, I could see a scenario where he fell a little bit further, but because trades are allowed, uh, I think that he will not get too, too far down the board. But regardless, Mel is number one on my board um, for a reason. Uh, six, 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 seven, great handle, great passer, best passer in the draft, his vision, all that stuff. I think his touch is pretty good. Um, long-term shooting uh, is a concern, but not one that I am too worried about. I think it's actually going to be okay. And then defensively, on the ball is going to be pretty bad, I think, early on. But off the ball, he's super long. He understands basketball, so I think he'll improve. And his pre-NBA situations were really bad. Um, NBL-wise, it was all right, but it was a small sample size. Before that, he just never got asked by defense at any level. So I don't worry too much about that. And uh, you know, the, the models, um, despite his inefficiency in the NBL, the models like Pelton's model, like the real stat-heavy models still think Melo is really good as a prospect, which is encouraging to me, despite his inefficiency. So, you know, long story short, he's number one for me. He's been number one for me for quite some time. Uh, I know that'd be different for the Hawks a little bit, but uh, in a vacuum, I still I still feel pretty comfortable by saying that he's my favorite prospect in the draft. And uh, by the way, just as a sidebar, if I was the Wolves, I'd still take him. Yeah, I know I would too. Melo is easily my number one prospect. I've talked to you about that a lot, but um, yeah, probably not a guy the Hawks will have the choice to uh, select, but really elite uh, feel, really elite, you know, start and stop ability with the dribble, uh, throws all kinds of crazy passes, all kinds of crazy angles, kind of sees the floor, you know, similar to someone like Trey, he, no matter where he goes and no matter how, you know, Determined he may look to score. He throws some really crazy, like, last-minute bounce passes, kick-out passes. Um, a lot of no-look stuff. Like, he'll throw, you know, stuff behind from where he just ran from that you don't even think he's looking at. So, uh, special, special passer. The driving and finishing, uh, he will, he'll need to improve, uh, I think, to bring his efficiency up. And that might take a while, but Lamelo is really... To me, I mean, as risky and as kind of crazy as a path that he's taken to the NBA, I think, ironically, he's actually a really safe pick. Yeah, I mean, safe is such a weird word for him, but I I do agree that, I don't know, I don't want to say this. I think that he's safely going to be a good NBA player. I don't think that he's safe in terms of stardom, because if his jump shot doesn't work, there's a way where he's more of a secondary guy. Like the comp that I've made before that I'll make now is Ricky Rubio. And Ricky Rubio has been a good NBA player for a long time. And that's still a pretty good outcome for, for any prospect. But uh, Ricky has been in a really, really, really good defensive player for most of his career. Um, never figured out how to shoot, but was still a top you know 10 passer in the league conservatively. That's the kind of comp I'd make. For Melo, I know everybody wants to comp, to comp him to his brother. I wouldn't do that. I think it's uh, they're very different prospects. But even then, like, okay, if you think that, like, where on the spectrum is Ricky Rubio if, you, if you're if you drafting LaMelo Ball? Is that a 50% outcome? Is that a 80% outcome for LaMelo Ball? And that probably depends on how you feel about Ricky Rubio, too, because he's a guy people are really split on. But he's like a league average point guard, like a league average starting point guard, I should say. Like, he's a good player. Is that, I mean, that's obviously disappointing for number one overall pick, probably, but I'm the guy who will always tell you that, you know, most draft slots, the expected value is a little bit lower than you would think. Number one's a little bit different than that, uh, historically, because of how many stars there have been there, but if he went two 
Ricky Rubio is an above average outcome of all time. Like I'm, I'm on record always like Marvin Williams is a above average number two pick ever. And Ricky Rubio's Ricky Rubio has been better than Marvin Williams. So it's just interesting to me. Like LaMelo, I don't see, I don't see him failing to your point. Like he's, he's still, even if the jump shot never, never comes around, he's still a six, seven guy with incredible feel. That'll be one of the best 10 passers on the planet right now. And like, I don't know. It's just going to work in some level, but at the same time, like he gets this boom bust label and I, I get why, because he's never played in a competitive environment before Australia and he wasn't awesome in that league, but I, I tend to agree with you. It sounds crazy to call him safe, but I don't see him like busting out of the league. I really don't. Yeah. I just think, you know, like a six ten guy with that wingspan uh, or like a six. Sorry, a six ten. He's not six ten. Yeah, no, if he was six ten, it'd be uh, even he'd be even scarier. No, yeah, that would be insane. Sorry, a six seven guy with that like six ten, six eleven wingspan, whatever it ends up being, if we ever find out. Um Yeah, just I mean the Australia stuff, like I think it's just he's viewed as risky because he he you know, he only played a few games over there and you know, he wasn't always shooting the ball well. So I think people kind of think, you know, his offense is risky. And obviously, you know, people who didn't watch his offense enough probably assume he's not good on defense. So. Well, to, to, to be fair, he's not good on defense right no, now. No, no, I just mean like people who, okay, so if you didn't even take the time to watch LaMelo play offense, I'm assuming you haven't seen, you know, his oh, defensive, yeah. yeah, like his defensive flashes. Certainly. So like. If you're just assuming, you know, LaMelo is going to be a bust or, you know, he's a really risky prospect because his shooting numbers in Australia aren't great, then that type that type of evaluation, they probably also assume he's horrible on defense. I think he actually has a chance to be average on defense, while teams will probably go at him a lot because he's going to be a high-usage player if he pans out. So I think, you know, teams will still go at him. He's not going to be like a stopper, but... I, um I think just his length, and, you know, I said this before, but if you can read the offense, you can read, you know, the other team's offense. So I just think his IQ will kind of lead to him being a decent defender. It's why I think Trey, like, Trey, for example, like, he knows how the system is going to work from an offensive perspective, so there's no reason he can't be a little bit better on defense. I mean, he, he should know what the action's trying to do. He should know that he's going to be the target of the action and um and he's got he has and he has decent tools it's not you know mellow the thing about mellow compared to like a lot of the the point guard especially point guards that you worry about defense is that mellow has the tools like he's legitimately six 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 seven and long and that's you can't replace that i know he's kind of skinny and on ball it'll be probably a problem early on but comparing let's not, let's not even use trade like compare like your run-of-the-mill point guard size below average defender to LaMelo Ball and like LaMelo Ball has such an advantage being 6'7 and being that long it's just if he ever figures out how to play defense and I think he will it's just he's going to be pretty decent if not better than that so the big honestly the big swing in my opinion with LaMelo is his jump shot I think the defense will be fine is it going to be great no but if you're a if you're a mellow skeptic it's that if he doesn't make shots I'm not sure what the ceiling on it is. Like, I think he can still be a good player without making without making threes consistently. But his shot selection's always been kind of bad. Now, that, in the NBA, that probably gets weeded out a little bit if he doesn't make shots. 
compared to his previous stops, but that's the, that's the thing that I circle. If you are a mellow skeptic, that's the reason why, in my opinion. Yeah, I, don't, I actually just don't really worry about the shot. I mean, maybe he doesn't become like, you know, I don't expect him to be like a Trey or a Luca like type of shooter. So I think, you know, him being able to have some pull-up stuff while being like a really, you know, just a solid shooter um, out of, you know, just a uh, spot-up situation. Because I think he's going to do so much damage in terms of just in, with picks, with screens. So I think, you know, as long as he can force people to go over those screens, then the game's going to be pretty easy for him after a couple of years. Yeah, I I tend to agree. It's just that it's hard. People always want comps, and it's it's hard to give someone a, a comparison for a Lamelo already. And then okay, and then it's like okay, give me one if he can't shoot, <laughs> and then it's even harder. And the, the, the again, the only comp I can come up with in a modern NBA player for Lamelo is Ricky Rubio. If you assume he can't shoot, and even then, Melo is three inches taller. You can't you cannot project Lamelo be as good on defense as Ricky's been. That's important to point out, but unless I'm missing somebody, I just I have a hard time figuring out a comp for Lamelo if the shooting doesn't work. If the shooting works, his comps become like the best players in the league. You know, his, that that's the kind of guys that Lamelo gets comp to eventually if his shooting really comes on. But if it doesn't, there's still a path for success. It's just hard to like describe that to someone that's not watched him play a lot. Because like saying okay six seven Ricky Rubio is not something that's like going to excite a casual fan. <laughs> it should. Well, I, mean, <laughs> I know you just don't want to say it, but like six seven Ricky Rubio is like Luca without a jumper. I mean, so. kind of. Yeah, I mean Luca Luca is obviously bigger and more physical, whereas Lamelo is probably a better athlete and all that stuff. But yeah, it's it's kind of like that. It's I don't know. It's just really interesting to try to figure out what it looks like. I mean, and the shoe, I kind of the okay, so. for everybody. I think if Melo hit his 90 or 95% outcome, it would look a lot like Luka. Uh, he would be hitting step-back threes, and he would also, by the way, probably be shooting 34% on those threes. Right. Um, and neither, and, and, I, and, 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 and even for all of Luka's and, strengths, Luka's not, a, Luka's not an elite shooter. He's just not. No, like, no, and I don't expect Melo to be either. So I right. actually think Luka is not – if you're talking about home run Melo outcome – Luca is about as good as you could do because I don't think Melo will be as specialized as Harden. I think he will just kind of play the game. Well, yeah, and, Harden uh, and Harden's a freak too because Harden actually is an elite shooter. Right, like yeah. Harden. Be, Harden became an elite shooter and also did all the other stuff on top of it. Like Harden's a pretty much a freak, but yeah, it's that's not a bad comp at all. It's just really hard to explain to someone because Melo's, you know, Melo's jump shot doesn't it doesn't look great. Like he's not gone in. Well, that's I, why I, I can't get like going too far with Melo would be like saying he'll be like a Trey Young level shooter. No, there's no way. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. not that's not that's not even honestly, I'm not saying it's impossible, but projecting Melo to be a plus plus shooter is not a good idea. Like it's not there's no evidence that he's going to be a plus plus shooter. I know he has range, but so did Lonzo, you know what I mean? Like being able to shoot from a long way away does not mean that you're a great shooter. Like Trey's actually a great shooter in the way that LaMelo probably won't be. It's not impossible, but if your evaluation includes Melo being a great shooter, your evaluation is just like a, you're guessing because there's no evidence yeah. that he's going to be a great shooter. Well, I'll say this. Even if he becomes like a great shooter, I think he will always kind of have not poor shot selection, but I would just say he'll be ambitious. So the better he becomes at shooting – 
the more crazy shots he's going to take, kind of like Trey. So I think for him to get to Trey's percentages, he would kind of have to not be mellow. He would have to play like really can like more like a Shea Gilgis Alexander. You know, like I'm not dribbling into a bunch of threes. I'm not shooting a bunch of step backs. I'm going to take my open ones. I'm going to get kickouts. But I think the way he's going to play, his percentages will be down, you know, closer to where, you know, someone like Luca is at because Luca is fine going four for 11 from three because that's what allows him to get to the rim. So I, I think, you know, Melo really is similar to Trey and Luca though in the terms of how he will use rhythm and just screens and just he's going to be a nightmare for someone to try to guard because like you saw on the game winner with Luca the other night I mean just because you could put Kawhi or someone on someone like that I mean the NBA offenses are so good now that Kawhi is probably not going to end up guarding him if it's a possession that matters so I yeah I think you give like a good head coach a good NBA coach LaMelo Ball and you know he has capable you know veterans and shooters around him I don't expect it to take that long before you know he's putting up some crazy stats in the spaced out you know NBA game yeah I, I'm a buyer on LaMelo Ball uh, long story short I don't think he's gonna be on the Hawks uh, I'm not sure where he's gonna be frankly because the Wolves can do whatever they want with that pick it's an interesting decision because they're so invested in Russell uh Warriors can do anything that they want to, including trading it. Uh, a lot of uncertainty at the top, but uh, yeah, I mean, one of the things that I'm most confident is that the Hawks will not be on the on the board when Lamelo is still available. Regardless, he's an interesting prospect. We've both had him number one for a while, so we want to spend some time on him. Uh, regardless, and uh, he's a fun pro- he's a fun player. I like him quite a bit. I'm not sure he's uh, I'm not sure he's on the number one. You know, he's number one for me and has been for a while. I still think, I still think he would slot behind Zion and Luca in terms of the prospect hierarchy from when they were actually draft prospects. But he's the only guy in this class that I view as a guy who is a traditional number one pick, potentially. And even then, he probably might even be a shade below that, given the uncertainty. But he's up there. He's a, he's a talented guy, obviously. Yeah, I mean, like you were saying, when we first brought up Melo with the Marvin Williams and with the Rubio stuff, like he might not be like a home run number one. Like He might not be the no. guy you feel like the best about. But it, like you were saying, if you got him at two or three... I mean, he doesn't – it's almost guaranteed, I think, that he'll be a good number three pick or a good number two pick. Um, Yeah, people don't – people just generally don't understand the actual, you know, average outcome for a non-number one overall pick. And I've done that rant many times, but it's just – it really is the – you know, you assume that a number two pick or number three pick is going to be a star, and that's just not the way the draft works. You want to star there. Obviously, you want to star there. I'm not saying you don't. But it's just the median outcome for how many times – teams quote-unquote miss and you'll you'll hear like about busts that are actually not busts that have been good players for a long time marvin's the most the most hawks example of this but there are plenty of examples of guys who were long-time quality nba players that just didn't become stars so they become you know busts or they become disappointments which is kind of just crazy but right yeah those picks get i mean every other pick besides number one people don't realize how many guys at that pick but actually do bust and don't do anything so like Having LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Zion, Patrick Ewing, Dwight Howard, having all those guys weigh in to the number one outcome. I mean, 70 probably, I don't know the exact stat on this. Someone probably does. But I would say 60 to 70% of number one picks are no-brainers. So the number two, number three pick, inherently you're not getting to pick from that crop of people that are just like, okay, no doubt that guy is the best thing to pick from. So – it's not easy to hit, you know, 
as you get down the board. Yep, I agree. All right, well, there you go. Uh, sports, basketball. We've we've completed the positional primer. We'll still talk draft, of course. We have plenty more coming on the draft. Uh, I think the order that I have them on this podcast, just kind of keeping what we've been doing on this whole primer series, my order of these top four guys is uh, the order that they're in. I will say Kyra and Cole are very close together for me in a non-Hawks sense. Uh, I, I do believe in Kyra Lewis, and I'm – just like more, you know, lukewarm on Cole. So those guys would be close together. But I do think that Mello, clear number one, and then uh, Hayes as number three for me. But honestly, it was close to number two. And uh, then there's then, then there's definitely a gap before you get to Cole and Kyra, like somewhere, you know, mid late lottery. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, I would have Mello and Hayes one and two for sure, and then I might actually have Lewis ahead of Anthony. But um, it's really close. I haven't really you know, gotten that far as to yep. having one ahead. If I was, uh, if I was the Knicks or the Pistons, I'd, ra- I'd rather have Kyra, um, as my primary creator. But anyway, enough on, enough on the point guards for now. Zach, please plug all that you have going on. I know you are a busy man these days. So to people where they can find all of your work. Yeah, man. Appreciate you having me on again. You can find, um, a lot of my Hawk stuff is obviously, you know, going to be on Peachtree Hoops. Everything I write is going to be on Peachtree Hoops. You'll have all of our draft profiles coming out, you know, up leading up into the Hawks offseason, free agency drafts, everything like that. And then check out Hawks Film Room on Twitter. You know, we got podcasts, we got video breakdowns, stuff like that. So, yep. Follow Zach. Follow me if you want to. Please subscribe to the podcast, and we'll see you next time.